Bible says that we're to seek, and when we seek, we find. Having questions, asking questions of God is a positive thing. God invites us to pursue Him if we're curious. Thank you for joining us on Truth That Changes Lives. Pastor J.P. Jones is the senior pastor of Crossline Community Church in Laguna Hills, California, and a professor in biblical studies at Biola University. Today on Truth That Changes Lives, Pastor J.P. will be giving us a message from a series entitled Questions. Let's listen in as J.P. talks to us today about why there is so much suffering. Well, if God is uh, loving, why is there so much suffering in the world? It's quite a question. If God's loving, why is there so much suffering in the world? Maybe it's a question you're asking. You know, we're, uh, we're in this series talking about questions, and there's really two audiences that I'm thinking about as I'm trying to uh, dialogue with you. One is the curious. One's the person who's actually asking the question. One's the person who's considering faith in Jesus Christ, and, and there are objections, or there are obstacles, or there are questions that they feel need to be answered with a whole heart, with a whole mind, enter into that kind of relationship. You know, Jesus said this in John chapter 7. He said, if any man is willing to know whether I come from the Father or whether I speak on my own, he will know the truth of what I have to say. The Bible says that we're to seek, and when we seek, we find. Having questions, asking questions of God is is a positive thing. And God invites us to pursue him if we're curious. Others of us here are committed. We've come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, and we, uh, we understand what we believe. But we need to be able to give answers to people who are asking us questions. You see, Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 3, Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to give an answer to everyone and ask you to make a defense for the hope that's in you and do this with gentleness and with reverence towards people. So some of us here are committed, but we need to be equipped to be able to give answers to others. So whether you're here and you're curious or you're here and you're committed, we want to look at this question of evil and suffering and whether a good God would allow such a thing. And if so, why? Really, there's two questions. One's a question of the head and one's a question of the heart. See, the question of the head's a philosophical question. Uh, several years ago, uh, I was asked to come to UCLA and speak on campus, and I was invited by a group of students to deal with this very issue, the issue of evil and suffering. And gathered together were students that had such a chip on their shoulder that it kind of weighed them down like this. They weren't asking a question of the heart. They weren't people who were dealing with real suffering. They weren't people who, who wanted to have a heart answer. They were uh, grappling philosophically with the whole idea of God's existence and, and whether or not they could integrate the concept of evil and suffering into that idea. You see, there is a philosophical question. In fact, it's been posed by this. There was a philosopher named Hume who said this. If God is loving, then he would stop all evil and suffering. And if God is powerful, then he could stop all evil and suffering. Since evil and suffering exist, then there is no loving and powerful God. Wow. That's logical. Do you know what actually is? Logical. That is a valid, logical argument. It's valid because the conclusion flows out of the premise. But do you know you can have a logical argument and still be wrong? It's wrong if you start with the wrong premise. And this premise is that a loving God would 
stop all evil and suffering. You see, uh, evil and suffering does exist. And the Bible addresses the reality of evil and suffering. And the Bible gives an explanation for evil and suffering. And there really is an answer. It's just hard to accept. It's hard to accept. You see, the biblical perspective is this. Evil and suffering are a result of man's free choice to sin. Satan's rebellion and a creation marred by both. The Bible says that man has free choice. Man has exercised that free choice to sin. That sin has happened concurrently with the rebellion in the angelic sphere. And there is a, as an evil enemy who is engaged in spiritual warfare with God and with his people. And the whole of creation has been affected by this rebellion so that we live in a fallen world where things like floods and earthquakes and cancer and stuff like that happen. Evil and suffering are a result of man's free choice to sin, Satan's rebellion, and a creation marred by both. Here's a second thing the Bible teaches, that God will one day punish all evil, alleviate all suffering, and provide infinite blessing. The question is not, would God eliminate evil and suffering? It's, when will God eliminate evil and suffering? God will one day punish all evil, alleviate all suffering, and provide infinite blessing. Here's a third thing that the Bible presents as true. Right now, God offers to forgive sin, to give victory in spiritual warfare, and to personally strengthen us and be with us in all of life's pain. Right now, in this time where we live, before God eliminates all evil and all suffering. God offers to forgive sin. God provides victory in spiritual struggle. And God promises his personal presence to be with us through the valley of death. That's tough stuff. Especially tough stuff if we're facing suffering. Especially tough if God hasn't met our expectations about what we thought would happen in our life. But now I'm dealing with the philosophical question. I haven't touched the personal question. From a philosophical issue or standpoint, if you don't like that answer, or if a person doesn't like that answer, if someone debating with me doesn't like that answer, I would have to say I can appreciate why you might not like that answer. But I want to point out something to you. If you reject this answer, by default you're accepting some other explanation. You don't like what the Bible says? That's fine. You have the freedom to not accept it. But by default, you're accepting another answer. So what's your answer for the problem of evil and suffering? And there's only three other answers. If you don't take this answer, there's only three other answers. The other answer is from the perspective of atheistic naturalism. There's no God. There's no ultimate purpose. There's no right and wrong. There's no real meaning in the universe. Atheistic naturalism basically says this to the problem of evil and suffering. Life sucks and then you die. That's an answer. Well, if you don't like the biblical answer, what else could you come up with? Well, you could come up with Eastern transcendentalism. That's the idea. That's the uh, underground foundation for all Eastern religion, for New Age thinking, for Christian science, for Dianetics, for mind science, for a worldview that basically says this isn't reality. This is just an illusion. The physical world is an illusion. There's a transcendent spiritual world that is ultimate reality. And we're all God, aren't we? 
And we're all expressions of God. And one day we will all experience our Godness. We, we will, through karmic reincarnation, come to that oneness of all things. But right now, this is just an illusion. So, in that worldview, evil isn't evil and suffering isn't suffering. So if you don't like what the Bible says, you can be an atheistic naturalist and say life sucks and then you die. Or you can buy into Eastern transcendentalism and says evil really isn't evil and suffering really isn't suffering. Or you can come up with a third perspective, which is called finite godism. And finite godism basically says there is a god, but he's finite. He's not infinite, he's finite. So in the argument positioned by Hume, the philosopher, you could say, well, there's a loving God, he's just not powerful. That's the argument of Rabbi Kushner in his book, Why Bad Things Happen to Good People. There is a loving, good God, and he suffers every time human being suffers. And he feels our pain. He's just not powerful enough to do anything about it. He just can't answer our prayers. He can't do miracles. He can't stop suffering, and he can't stop evil. He's loving. He's just not powerful. He's finite. Or you can take the other view that there is an all-powerful God, but he's not loving. He's malevolent. And he takes delight in causing his creatures to suffer. He's finite. So from a philosophical viewpoint, you either believe what the Bible says, that evil and suffering are here because of man's free choice, because of Satan's rebellion, and because of a fallen world system. But God one day will alleviate all suffering, and he will punish all evil, and he will provide infinite blessing. And right now, he'll forgive our sins. And right now, he will give us victory in spiritual struggle. And right now, he'll be with us through whatever pain we go through. Or... You say life sucks and then you die. Or you say evil really isn't evil and suffering isn't suffering. Or, yeah, there's a God, he just can't do anything about what's going on. Or, yeah, there's a God and he actually likes what's going on and he wants to cause us to suffer even more. So from a philosophical viewpoint, which perspective are you going to take? Because there are no other perspectives. Now, I would only give that kind of answer to someone who wanted to get in some kind of intellectual argument with me. But I've been a pastor for almost 30 years, and most of the time this question comes up is not in some intellectual argument. It's when I'm sitting with someone who's just been told they have cancer. Or I've been called to somebody's house and their baby died of SIDS. Or someone's in my office and said their husband just left them. That's not an intellectual question, gang. That's a heart question. And more often than not, you know what I say? I say what I said last week when I sat with a person who was going into the hospital for the upteenth time and their chances were grim and they may not even see their children again. And I said, you know, if I was God, I wouldn't let this happen. I don't know why it's happening. But I know God loves you. And we love you in this church. And we want to pray with you. See, there really are two questions, aren't there? There's a philosophical question and, and... we may not like the answer, but there really is a biblical answer. In fact, it's the only answer. The personal question. The personal question. As hard as it is, there's an answer to the personal question of evil and suffering as well. Joseph understood it after encountering the unjust treatment that he had at the end of his life when he talked to his brothers and said, hey, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Job understood that when he lost everything. And his family and his children were taken away and his wealth and his body was attacked by disease. And he said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. David understood that 
when he was on the run from Saul and he was, he was rejected and encountered all the heartache and the, the pain of a broken heart. And he said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me. Jesus understood that when he was the most righteous, perfect, innocent person who ever lived, falsely accused, rejected by his people, hung on a cross, dying the most painful, torturous death, said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You see, there's an answer both for the philosophical question of evil and suffering and for the personal question. For us, for each one of us. This is what God says in Romans 8, 28 to 39. And we know that in all things, God works for the good to those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, Neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, not cancer, not divorce, not bankruptcy, not hurricanes, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. See, this passage, this passage gives us hope. It gives us hope when we're suffering. It gives us hope when people in our family are suffering. It gives us hope when people in our church are suffering. It gives us hope when we are called upon to be ministers of grace to those who are suffering. It gives us hope when we're the ones who are suffering. Because it tells us that God causes all things to work together for good. That doesn't mean all things are good. All things are not good. But God causes all things to work for good. God, who is sovereign and who is loving takes all the stuff of life and can work it towards good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And God is for us, you see. God is for us. He's not against us. God is for us. And nothing can separate us from his love. Right now, at this moment, God couldn't love you any more than he loves you right now. And he will never love you any less. Right now, God couldn't love you any more, and he will never love you any less. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're struggling with, whatever is breaking your heart, whatever is causing you to doubt, whatever is draining you of your physical resources, whatever is taking away any of your emotional resource, whatever is causing any amount of suffering in your life, nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus, our Lord. See, there's a philosophical question. 
And there's a philosophical answer. And there's a personal question. And the answer is the love of Jesus Christ and the grace of Jesus Christ and the presence of Jesus Christ right now to help us, to support us, to hold us up. You see, it's like the story probably many of us have heard. Footprints. You know the two footprints walking side by side. And then there's only one footprint. And the question is asked, you know, if... If God was with me, walking side by side, where was he during that time of trial and that time of difficulty and that time of suffering because I only see one set of footprints? And God's answer, those are mine and I was carrying you. Maybe right now, you need God to carry you. What a great message for all of us today. Pastor JP provides us with great insight. That is why we'd like to make it available to you on CD. Just get in touch and mention today's date. We'll send it your way for just $5. Or if you'd like to support this ministry, you can write us at Truth That Changes Lives, 23331 Molten Parkway, Laguna Hills, California, 92653. Or give us a call at 949-916-0250. That's 949-916-0250. For your gift of $25 or more, we will send you a signed copy of JP's new book, Facing Goliath. Please join us every Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. at Crossline Church in Laguna Hills. The address is 23331 Molten Parkway, Laguna Hills, California, 92653. Or check us out on the web at crosslinechurch.com. We're going to get to the address and phone number again in a moment. But before we do that, Pastor JP, do you have any insight from today's message? I do, Greg. Thank you. Do you know this whole issue of evil and suffering is, I think, the most difficult question for the Christian to answer? The only emotionally satisfying answer would be that there was no suffering and there was no evil. The Bible says that one day, that's exactly what God is going to do. He's going to eliminate all evil and suffering. You see, in heaven, God's going to wipe away every tear. He's going to take away all pain. He's going to take away all heartache. But until then, we live in a world that's been affected by the fall. It's been affected by sin. It's affected by the spiritual battle. So this question of evil and suffering is a real question. In my discussions with countless number of people, however, I've discovered this, that there are two questions that people are asking when they ask the question of suffering. One's the question from the skeptic or or the scoffer. This is the question that really is trying to engage God in an argument, trying to make God satisfy their own intellectual curiosity. The other question is really a question of the heart. It's the question from the person who uh, has encountered real suffering, who maybe is suffering at the time and really just doubts God's love for them. There's really an answer for both person. If someone asks, how can God allow suffering? And it's really an intellectual, philosophical question. My response is generally the same. It's this. If you don't accept what God says about evil and suffering, that's okay. But you have to accept another answer. In other words, you have to take some position. There's no neutral ground of taking no position. So the Bible says that that suffering fits into a larger plan. It fits into God's purpose of, of forgiveness and redemption and that suffering is a result of the spiritual battle and that suffering exists because of free choices of sin on on the part of human beings. Now, if if a person rejects that answer, they really only have two other alternatives. One is that there is no God, there is no supernatural, there is no ultimate right and wrong. It's the position of materialism or atheism. Basically, materialistic atheists say that there's no supernatural, there's no God, there's no heaven and hell, there's no ultimate purpose or ultimate reality. So suffering 
just exists and then people die. That's the only alternative. The other perspective is the position of the transcendentalist or, or the person uh, committed to an Eastern religious perspective. This person says, really, this world is an illusion and suffering is an illusion because ultimate reality is found in the uh, the spiritual connection of all things, the oneness of all things. It's, it's the view of pantheism that God is everything and God is in everything and therefore any sense or perspective that sees a distinction between who we are and what we experience and ultimate godness is an illusion. So from this perspective, suffering is an illusion. So here are three alternatives. Either the biblical perspective that there's a loving, sovereign God who is allowing suffering to exist right now for his ultimate purposes, but who will be with us and walk with us through whatever suffering we experience. Or there's the perspective of the atheist, the materialist, which says suffering just is and then you die and that's all there is. Or there's the perspective of the Eastern transcendentalist, which says evil isn't evil and suffering isn't suffering. From my perspective, the other two alternatives just don't hold water. Not only is there not enough evidence to believe them, but in believing them, it would only lead to despair and would cause my suffering to be all the more worse. The biblical perspective, while may present its challenges, it's the only perspective that has hope. The hope of forgiveness, the hope of redemption, the hope of new life with God in heaven. That's the, uh, that's the issue when the question is really asked from the head, when it's asked intellectually and when it's asked philosophically. Now, when a question about suffering is asked from the heart, my response is a totally different one. Because I know I'm talking to someone who is, who is experiencing suffering. You know what the Bible says? It says this in Isaiah 53 about Jesus. He was a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. Do you know that Jesus Christ understands every one of our hurts and every one of our pain? In fact, Jesus has walked through that valley himself. And the Bible says this in 1 Peter 5, 7, that we're to cast all of our anxieties upon God because he cares for us. God knows our hearts. He knows the cry of our hearts. He knows the pain of our hearts, and he cares. In fact, Jesus said this, "'Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest.'" You will find rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon you, for my load is easy, my burden is light. You will find rest for your soul. If you're uh, if you're asking God the question about suffering, and really it's coming from a prideful intellect, you need to humble yourself before God, because God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. On the other hand, if you're questioning God about his love and concern and how he can allow suffering, why not just be honest with God? Tell God that's how you feel. In fact, you might pray something like this. God, help me. Help me in my suffering. Jesus, I want to take your yoke upon me. I want to take your burden because your burden is light. Give me the rest that you promise. And I ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to help you in your relationship with Christ. Please get in touch with us at Truth That Changes Lives, 23331 Molten Parkway. Laguna Hills, California, 92653. Or call us at 949-916-0250. On the internet, you will find us at crosslinechurch.com. We hope to see you at one of our services every Sunday at our new campus in Laguna Hills. For more information and directions, please go to crosslinechurch.com. Please join us next time on Truth That Changes Lives. The cross before you.